3: Welcome to it. Hail Varsity Radio live at Seacrest Field here ahead of Lincoln East and Southeast. That'll kick off at 7. We'll have it over uh, locally here in Lincoln on sister station KFOR. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as we inch closer and closer to uh, Nebraska, Michigan State. Numbers to get in can dial us up at 466-3776, 466-3776, 825 In about 20 minutes, Brandon Vogel going to be with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine in Hour 2. Coach Gary Barnett to get us kicked off in Hour 2. Our favorite sideline man uh, and Viking and Charger and Panther and Bill, Jeremiah Searles, uh, coming up at 525. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets from Sveason Sports Network at 540. And uh, get to some of your emails as well. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow. Also on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. We'll uh, hear a little bit from Scott Frost. Interesting story and uh, rundown. Thanks to the Freedom of Information Act in the latest Hale Varsity Magazine issue that's out, talking about the sellout streak surviving, our old buddy Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, did a great job of of gathering emails uh, from the University of Nebraska Athletic Administration on just what really went down with uh, Nebraska-Oklahoma and that uh, tedious time with uh, Nebraska trying to get out of said game. So we'll talk with Vogues about that, get his take on Husker Volleyball and, uh, of course, uh, the matchup. Elijah, it's just an incredible day of sunshine, wind out of the south, going to be an amazing football game tonight. You remember these Thursday and Friday nights well.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'll say it is a little bit tough as a high school football player to be uh, to be ready to go on a Thursday. Uh, Kind of like it's tough to get the the juice going. You get one less day of practice. Um, No one else in the city is playing that day. So it just kind of feels a little bit different. But it's uh, it's fun to kind of have that spotlight on yourself on a Thursday night. But you definitely got to come out and bring it because you get one less day of preparation, one less day of practice. Uh, but on the flip side of things, you get to go watch some, uh, some of the other schools in town go play on Friday night. So cool opportunity. Uh, I'm excited for the game tonight.
3: Should be all right. Uh, I'm excited for Saturday. Just what will we find out about Nebraska? Uh, again, going back to the comment yesterday, uh, good team or just a good game. Can you pay the... Almost forward and make it a got it done with uh, Nebraska football. And we'll hear from Coach Frost here in a, in a moment. But interested to to see who emerges for Nebraska on Saturday. You've got your usual candidates, right, that need to play well, Elijah. Of course, Adrian Martinez, you need the offensive line to be better. You hope the special teams and kicking game kind of stabilizes a bit. And then you, you know what you're in for with Walker and uh, what Michigan State wants to do in their run game. And then that's rip off big plays, control the football, take care of the football, and then hit you with some play action, let their big wideouts go get some 50-50 balls. But we've seen uh, some pretty um, entertaining moments for guys that you've been waiting on or you've heard good things about with Nebraska football and you you go back to the the Illinois game and and who was kind of the star of the Illinois game who's a guy that you were waiting to see uh, if he's as good as advertised or could make an impact and you know I don't know that you're going to get Oliver Martin back for Saturday but his ability to make some plays in in kind of stretched the field a little bit with some at least 20 yard gains was big for nebraska in the passing game some nice grabs for oliver martin 100 yard day for him so he's the name that kind of emerged out of the illinois contest for buffalo uh you look at daniels and, and luke reimer big 10 defensive player of the week with reimer with his tackles and uh, his uh, kind of game ceiling interception return to the one so reimer and in uh and Damian, both guys that had really strong outings, they, they were able to flash. And then against Oklahoma, right? Uh, you know, Doman uh, is one of your leaders, is is one of the best players on defense. So JoJo's performance isn't one of those you're like, oh, wow. I mean, you're kind of expecting that type of, uh, of effort from a JoJo. But two guys that you, you hadn't really seen much of, just spot duty for for bets, right? Comes up with a big play uh, in the the second half for Nebraska. Ends up leading Nebraska in receiving yards, uh, and then and then you have Omar Manning with his emergence and kind of the spotlight on him this week. His story following uh, a good effort and uh, some some big time plays against you know a really talented defense uh, from a playmaker standpoint with Oklahoma. So we turn to Michigan State. Who's going to be that guy for Nebraska that puts his stamp on the game? Is the player that we walk out of East Lansing with going, okay, there's a new name with a a list of names we've just provided that is uh, someone to focus on and worry about if you're an opposing offense or defense. There's a lot of candidates. There's some obvious choices. We're taking Adrian off the table. But this could be a a ball game, right, where – You got a little bit of a taste of a Ramir Johnson with a smidgen of running room last week. Uh, This is going to be, you know, heavy work for Nebraska and their run game in the offensive line, Elijah. And I'm wondering if, if it's a step type moment where, okay, he can really help uh, help further that offensive line with some, some pounding runs, some downhill runs. Also, you know, if Yant's in better shape and has been showing some stuff in practice, maybe maybe it's a Yant game. Maybe it's Savion Morrison. Uh, so maybe a, a running back is a candidate for who's the guy that shines on Saturday for Nebraska offensively. Maybe you can see more of, of some names you do know. That's, that's Austin Allen. He was targeted a ton and uh, could be pretty important in Nebraska if they're trying to run between the tackles and it's not working, but you can sure on first and 10 loosen up a defense with some tight end passes or some flat routes to the sideline. Defensively, um, you know, I think it's this could be, if Nebraska's going to be successful to, to stopping Sparty on first and second down and keeping that third and manageable, uh, a dream for Michigan State. Sparty's going to run the football. They're going to want to run the football. And it's going to be uh, all about discipline for Nebraska. It's going to be kind of Iowa-esque where Michigan State will try and, and press and then cut back. You do not want this to be a reenactment of, of a one Colorado where you get the – the second level flowing one way. There's a cutback and then a house call Sparty and and Walker have been really good at that this year, but I, I'm looking at Ty Robinson. I'm looking at Ty Robinson and I'm looking at, 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 at Damian Daniels, both those guys on the interior, to to clog up to get some penetration to stay in their gap obviously either create some room for the linebackers for a henrich or for a reimer or for or for a kolarvik or them themselves getting that penetration and making uh, it a reality elijah for a lot of second and twelves i mean that's that's the other side of this Uh, you have the ability Uh, with what Michigan State wants to do in the run game to tackle them behind the line. And just think of of Deontay Williams or even a JoJo, the way they come in off the backside to run a ball carrier down from behind. And it's it's a, a second and long instead of second and medium.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to stick with what you're saying here defensively. Uh, I think it could be anyone along that that defensive line uh, being a guy who can step up and make some plays, make some plays in the backfield. That's going to be so key. I mean, you saw that with what Oklahoma was doing against Nebraska. It wasn't necessarily uh, that they were stopping the run for one or two yards every single down, but they would come up and make some big plays in the backfield to get Nebraska in you know second and 14, third and 12. Uh, So that is going to be huge for Nebraska. But I'm going to go a little bit different than you. And I'm going to go with a guy in Cam Taylor Britt who hasn't necessarily impressed to start this season. But I think it's going to be so crucial for Nebraska to come up with a turnover because we've seen the inconsistency of the special teams play. You can't count on the special teams to set you up in good field position or go get a score from you like we saw Demorne Pearsonel do a couple years ago. Uh, You got to have a a guy in that defense step up, make a play and win the ball back for the offense and give the the offense a short field to go score from. Uh, So that's a guy I'm looking at. Defensively, offensively, I know it's not sexy, but I'm going to look along that offensive line, specifically at the left guard spot. Sounds like this is a week that Brock Bando is going to be back from illness. Is he going to step right into that starting lineup? Uh, if it's not Brock Bando, could it be Trent Hickson now in his second week starting? Could he make a, uh, a step up? Because that left guard spot has been the weakest spot along the offensive line uh, to start this season. Uh, right guard as well with, with Sichterman. Both the guard play or both the guard spots haven't had the best play to open this season. So I'm going to go with one of those guys as being a guy who. Could step up if Nebraska does come out of this game with a victory of uh, being a guy maybe not that all of Husker Nation season goes yeah that guy had a great game but some guy that specifically I'll be looking at going if, uh, if they have a great game they're putting Nebraska in a, a great position to win you know you linemen
3: always got to stick up for one another I appreciate that and now with, with Nebraska no if you get better guard play and it's not such a mosh pit in that a gap in the middle and you know Cam Jurgens has done such a, a a good job of of doing his job, but the the two guards are are working at it. They're trying. This isn't a indictment on them. It's just there, there's just been some communication, and when there's been penetration, and we go back to what some of the coaches and players have said, it's four of the five right doing their job in a lot of instances. I'm interested to see too if if Michigan State's able to. On, on, thir- on the obvious situation, you know, be be able to get around the end uh, with both tackles, or if both tackles either a get some help from a back or a tight end from a protection standpoint, or they're just they're just better uh, after facing in Oklahoma. They're better. They're they're more improved by by a game four. Well, get some thoughts from Jeremiah Searles here in uh, a little more than an hour. On, on what he expects from the Husker offensive line. Let's go to Scott Frost. Uh, his media session a little bit earlier today. We'll start off with uh, the excitement level here. You know, is Nebraska hungover or are they, uh, are they tasting it? And yes, they are sick of being close. Does it finally stop being close and you get the result you want more from Coach Frost right now?
4: Good week of practice. The guys are excited to get back out on the field. I think they were encouraged by last week and Um, We know we we have another great opportunity this week. Uh, So the preparation was good. guys are excited.
3: So that's encouraging. And you want to be able to stack good days of practice, obviously, clearly. But Nebraska able to to go at it the right way, hungry, so to speak, after uh, that near miss in Norman. More from Coach Frost when it comes to Keys for better pass protection. Nebraska is going to try and be balanced. I, I like what they've done with the commitment to the run game, at least in the second half. It wasn't uh, yielding a ton of results, but at least it was still able to set up your play action. Uh, you weren't just completely abandoning it and making yourself one-dimensional, but uh, here are some of those keys for Coach Frost here with making sure that uh, that green front doesn't get after Adrian.
4: Those guys last week were pretty talented. They get pressure on a lot of people, uh, but we just got to be a little more consistent. I thought at times the protection was really good. Um, A few times it wasn't. uh, And there was a couple communication issues on twists and and games. Um, So the guys just got to be locked in pre-snap and post-snap.
3: Well, uh, yeah, be locked in. You've faced a a ruckus environment. It's going to be the same way. It's 6 Central when things are kicked off. going to be a perfect fall night for football kicking game you look at the spread you look at vegas it's five and a half there'll be a moment uh, where a drive stalls and uh, nebraska's had issues continually in the red zone when you look at the number of times they got to the 40 or better against a team like oklahoma uh, who has an improved defense and has some Sunday guys on that side of the football well can Nebraska at least get some points you'd want seven right yes obviously but three's not been a guarantee more from Coach Frost here on the kicking game and is it going to be better this week how's Connor been it's a work in
4: progress but um you know, I got a lot of confidence in the guys they, they just got to find their rhythm and uh, Connor kicked well this week so um we got to trust him and, and let him go out and do his job.
3: That is easier said than done, Elijah. You tell me this. You're in the headset. It's fourth and three. You're at the 29-yard line. It's supposed to be a not an easy kick, but a doable kick. You can't tell me if we're in the living room, we're not screaming go for it, right? And if you're Coach Frost based on how warm-ups win or if you're kicking into the wind or if there's a crosswind or you don't know your kicker's headspace right now and you don't know your kicker's headspace on the road. Well, you've seen it, one for three, and I'll say this too. uh, The the 32-yarder that was uh, schmitted off the uh, the tee box to the left – he had, like, three maroon jerseys in his face. So the protection's got to be better for him when it comes to follow through. I mean, it's it's ten other guys and, oh, yeah, the kicker. But uh, I don't know, man. I think it just depends on the flow of the game and what's the situation. Are you scoreless? Are you down? Uh, and, and then, again, warm-ups. I'd, I'd think real hard, though, about – just what's what's best for this offense? There's no gimmies with with special teams.
0: And I, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you. When you got a kicker in that bad headspace, I think sometimes you got to trust him a little bit more and send him out there uh, just to give him a chance to 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 make those kicks, even though he hasn't been making them. He's been making them in practice, which means it's all a mental game. Mm. He is aiming it too much. Uh, he doesn't have the confidence right now. and The only way to
3: get confidence is to start making your kicks. Go take the next kick and take the next shot. Brandon Vogel's up next. to Hale Varsity on the road this Thursday.
2: And we're back. Fellas, so, did we could listen to the radio? On Hale
3: Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
5: Yes! That's awesome!
3: Coming up, we'll check in with Gary Barnett, Hale Varsity Radio, live at Seacrest Field, another Thursday road show. The old glory American flag in the northeast end zone is straight out and ripping in the wind pretty gusty breeze out of the south but i can't tell you how gorgeous it is beautiful sun-drenched field as we get ready for east and southeast the guy who's got his eye black on still from norman and uh you read him with hail varsity magazine hail managing editors brandon vogel at brandon l vogel on twitter vogues how is norman for you bud it was
4: pretty good um getting the eye black tattoos uh seemed like a good idea at the time so just so you know that's a permanent look for me uh it's not coming off so we'll see if that comes back to bite me but uh for the most part yeah oklahoma oklahoma was good it was a quick a quick trip uh for me at least uh so i don't know if i experienced everything to its fullest but getting to see nebraska you know kind of go in with uh A clear plan of here's what we need to do to be in this game and have a shot to win it and execute it uh, felt like progress to me.
3: Let's talk about a a plan now as we turn our attention to East Lansing. And I think you're okay uh, right on with the progress because I think despite the frustration and some of the same mistakes, you saw progress with some patience in the play calling. Uh, you saw the defense just absolutely be gritty, and maybe they didn't make the first tackle, but it wasn't uh, a lot of big plays in the run game. I mean it was managed right against some really talented skilled guys. game plan is what for to to you on on saturday uh similar offensively uh, you win with some play action and you stick with the run game, but defensively man how do you how do you load up to to start to stop uh Three point oh. He is big time.
4: Yeah, he's tough. Um, and you know, Coach Frost, of course, mentioned it today. Like, I think the biggest thing is, and Nebraska, and like this is the, the thing that Nebraska's defense is doing the best at this moment is is really limiting those big plays, particularly big rushes. Though so they've been pretty good in the pass game too. Um, and, and I don't know that they they need to come out with. Too much that they don't do on a week to week basis. I mean, through four games, I think you could say about Stevens, they're playing really well together as a group. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've heard the coaches talk at times, you know, when, when guys start to freelance is when, when things fall apart. I think for the most part this season, they, they've done a good job of being where they're supposed to be, um, maintaining their assignments and, and executing those. If you do that, you know Walker is, certainly through these first three games for Michigan State looks good enough that he's still going to hit some on you. Uh, but if you can just keep that number down, I, I think you take your chances with with a quarterback who's still Big Ten Player of the Week, Peyton Thorne this week. You know he's played well as as well, but he's still young and it's still early in his career at least. I guess is the way to put it. So. I don't know if Nebraska needs to change too much defensively. You just got to be aware of who you got to stop.
3: Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity dot com and magazine managing editor, and his book "Dream Like a Champion." We'll have some volleyball questions for you here shortly. Uh, what did you dive into to give folks a little tease here with the I eighty preview podcast? I knew you're a, you're a deep diver. You, you got the. Uh, well, you, you toss the snorkel, and you've got the full uh, full oxygen on.
4: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was sort of defensively. You know, I think the biggest thing for Nebraska is continuing to to limit big plays. And and the thing about big plays is, um, you know, if you're an offense, they can come and go. And if you're a defense, we saw it last year in that that Illinois game. Really, the game that stands out is like, "Wow, that was just a really bad day for a defense that ended up being pretty good for Nebraska. I think it needs to continue to to it's you know use the downfield passing game uh that it has displayed through through four, through four games uh, the run game like it's just out of state where Expecting it to be drastically better in one week's time would be a very big surprise. Those those things happen occasionally. It's not something I'm willing to bank on. They're gonna they're gonna have to you know let Adrian Martinez do what he does. Their receiving core is, is finally looking like okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. And can they exploit that? Um, so it, it's a, it's a little bit of I think defensively, Nebraska needs to limit the big rushing plays. Offensively. If, they, if Michigan State can't limit the big passing plays, that's the path of least resistance forward here. And that would be both teams you know, kind of playing to what they've shown so far this year.
0: Braden, you mentioned the the importance of the Huskers being able to to limit those big rushing plays and that, that takes me to Deontay Williams who I think has been one of the more underrated Huskers at least on the, on the Husker defense this season he's been rock solid from the safety position and has been great coming up and tackling and making sure you know 15 20 yard runs don't become 40 45 yard runs uh, what's your your take on the impact that Deontay Williams has had for this Husker defense this season
4: yeah, he's pretty. He's always been a, a pretty strong tackler, and he's always been a big part of Nebraska's run fits. He's he's that kind of safety. Um, Michigan State has one as well. Their leading tackler is a safety, and it, some of that comes down to game plan. You know, if if you know guys are going to use that, um, the the long pass to Xavier Betts against Oklahoma was one where you know Oklahoma had its plan. They were going to roll that safety up based on what Nebraska showed pre-snap. And, you know, I don't know if Nebraska waited until the fourth quarter to, to try and exploit that if it was just the right time, but it worked. So you got to be aware of those plays. But, yeah, Deontay Williams, I think, has been – it always seemed like there was a lot still out there for him and, you know, through injuries and, and, and that sort of thing. You could see the talent was there, and it was like, well, we just need to, he needs to be able to play a whole year. I think through four games, it, you're seeing what it could be like with him. He's played pretty well.
3: He's been outstanding. Vogues, uh, we were kind of going through some some players that emerged. You've heard about and you were wondering what their performance would be like, and, and we went down the list. I mean, Oliver Martin, welcome to Nebraska. Great game against the Illini, Daniels and Reimer. Their performance against Buffalo. Of course, Omar and, uh, and Betts against OU, who, who's a guy or two you're thinking could splash on Saturday?
4: Yeah, it's it's been a long wait, um, but I think both uh, bets and, and Manning belong in that category for me. Uh, on the podcast this week, I, I kind of flipped a coin and went with Manning. He's only gotten seven targets uh, this year. Obviously, he missed the Buffalo game, but he's got seven catches. And to see him get his first touchdown uh last week and then come back on monday and you know he was a guy who wasn't available to to the media and he talked on monday and he understood a little bit of why like it's been everybody wants to play everything everyone wants things to go like they dream when you you know sign with a place like nebraska and that wasn't in the cards for him so it it felt it feels like a little bit of a potential turning point for for him um, just to have the success and then to be able to be out there and, and talk about why it hadn't happened up till then. It felt like a meaningful moment to me. Um, but Betts has played really well, too. He showed some flashes even earlier in the year, I thought. So you're, you're looking at two guys that could be pretty dangerous receivers. they just got to kind of keep building on it, which, you know, you played well against Oklahoma. That's kind of the story for Nebraska as a whole for me.
3: Do you worry about the run game for Nebraska, or do they find a way to stick with it and at least uh, stay two-dimensional?
4: I think you, you got to keep trying. Um, it's it's just going to be really hard to win consistently in the Big Ten without a serviceable run game. Really, you need a, a pretty good run game because you're facing, in most cases, a, a, a rush defense that's pretty accomplished. You know, you, you look at the Big Ten. Rankings at the end of the year, you might finish eighth in the league and, and be in the top forty nationally in terms of in terms of run defense. It's just it's just that kind of conference. So Nebraska's got to figure some things out there. Um, and, am I worried about it? Yeah, I, you just look at how how much of a struggle it has been through through the this start to the season, and it's it's surprising. I would have had it in the slight strength category I think coming into the year and it just hasn't materialized so I don't know if that means kind of dialing down to even more to, to your kind of core runs maybe Ramir Johnson you know it wasn't easy slaying out there for him by any means against Oklahoma but he was out there and he was out there for a reason so I wonder too if we'll get a little bit more regular repetition with these backs because it's been all over the place through four games
3: you, is this your tipping point game with with bowl eligibility?
4: It, it's pretty it's pretty close to it. I mean, you know, there's still a lot of season left, and Nebraska has been pretty volatile um, of of late, and, and other teams are volatile too. Um, you know that that happens occasionally, but you just start marking this out, and you know once once well. Once you get to Michigan-Minnesota, like you really start to feel and see the, you know, one of the five or ten most difficult schedules that we were all talking about in the offseason. It still looks that way. So when the Illinois game, Nebraska didn't play well. It lost. That's what that costs. You, know, you can look back at it. I look back at it and be like, yeah, they probably should have won that one. That means you got to steal one somewhere else. And this is one of the better opportunities, I think, which isn't saying anything to diminish what Michigan State has done. It's remarkable where they're at Uh, just 10 games into the Mel Tucker era, but it feels like one that's gettable for Nebraska. they got to play well, which I guess is a story every week.
3: Vogue's about 90 seconds, bud. Lexi Sun got to watch Nebraska 3-1 over Northwestern. What's your diagnosis of last night and where Nebraska volleyball's at?
4: Yeah, it it feels a little bit like um, Cooks Cooks trying to push some buttons to to get them where he knows they need to be. Um, it was it was reassuring, and you know, if Nebraska hold it held on in that third set. Uh, it probably wouldn't have seen her at all uh, last night, but she came in and and had a had a good role in, in that that fourth set and, and helped Nebraska get the three one win, and you know. Obviously, she's been such a part of Nebraska volleyball now for, for multiple seasons. I was watching her pretty close on the sidelines, too. And, you know, both that plus when she was actually able to get out there. I, I'm, I feel good in her ability to respond. Um, and I think she will eventually. But Cook's, Cook's definitely uh, trying to uh, cook things up, I guess, to make the unfortunate pun. <laughs>
3: Folks, we will talk Saturday, and uh, thanks for your coverage. Appreciate your time today, man.
4: All right, thanks a lot.
3: There he is, cooking things up. There we go. Tip your waiter, try the veal. Uh, Nick Saban weighs in on who uh, actually wore a jock. We'll get to some NFL, more Nebraska, Michigan State. Jeremiah Searle's coming up. We're here at Seacrest, the Thursday Roadshow with Hale Varsity.
2: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Personnel driven back, but he catches it and has a crease. DeMornay,
6: L is in open field. Look out. Nebraska has life.
2: 62 yards. There's some guys that just have it. This guy has it. He makes the first guy miss. They set up that middle return. And, boy, he hit that second and third gear. Boom, right there. Goodbye. Nobody's going to catch him.
3: Well, does Nebraska have a guy to uh, to be a difference maker in East Lansing when it comes to that third phase? Great to have you back here, varsity radio, Thursday edition here at Seacrest Field. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, man, oh man, 2014. Uh, we keep fast forwarding through life, and uh, yeah, it's almost it's seven plus years ago where Demorne uh, announced himself. To the world and almost got uh, a top five win for Nebraska, thanks to some of uh, DPE heroics. You also saw it uh, finished off against Iowa. And really good story by Dirk Chatlin of the World Herald highlighting special teams' miscues and what it has done to Nebraska, uh, where they rank when it comes to special teams' efficiency. Uh, 113th and 105th, respectively, when it comes to the kicking side of things. Now, uh, we'll see if Nebraska's better in their punting. That's kind of an ongoing thing. The field goal thing we covered in in the first segment. The return part of things, though, Elijah, can really help uh, Nebraska out. And uh, we talked a little bit of Cam Taylor Britt, but you can go through a plethora of games uh, dating back to year one, 2018, Colorado, 2018, Troy, 2018, Northwestern, 2018, uh, Ohio State. Now, uh, when it comes to the uh, the the whiffed lightborn kick, 2019, you had three oopses with uh, the Indiana game and that shootout that Indiana won. Uh, Crookshank twice uh, the pleasure against Nebraska once with Wisconsin. And uh, once with uh, uh, Rutgers, Iowa 2019, uh, as you get a pick six by Cam Taylor-Britt, the the ensuing kickoff to Smith-Marset taken back to the house. And uh, even last year's Northwestern game, you think about it, with Nebraska's field position pinned four times inside the 20. uh, Meanwhile, Northwestern, they were not in the shadow of their own goal line at that uh, soon-to-be-demolized field. But you had a kickoff return that went 36 yards, one punt, one kickoff, two kickoffs that were the difference in a 21-13 game a year ago. And, of course, uh, Iowa last season with the muffed punt. Uh, You know what happened with Illinois, and you know what happened with Oklahoma. So that's just – we're talking 12 games – uh, in uh, the span of going into year four, Elijah, that if you're a little bit better uh, when it comes to the return game or making them start at the 25 or just coverage, maybe, maybe it's not such a moment Saturday where there is conversation about this being the biggest game in the Frost era. I think it is a fork in the road, absolutely, for this season. I think if you go get a win... You can still play well. Play well. You can still make up the rest of the season. I think, Bud, from a morale standpoint, it gets awful tough if you don't if you don't carry it forward and go find a way to make it happen on Saturday. I think you got to kind of. I hate going there because it's you can pick shows through the past hundred years on Hale Varsity Radio, and it's been well. They they got to have this one. Well, it's maybe never been truer. More so than when we talk about Nebraska at East Lansing against Michigan State Saturday night.
0: Yeah, and aside from a couple mistakes... Uh, particularly in special teams, Nebraska looked like a top 25 team against Oklahoma. Uh, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. Uh, It it takes a pretty good team to take a top five team to the edge like Nebraska did. Uh, What is different between a a top 25 team and what we've seen from Nebraska in the past couple years is usually consistency. Top 25 teams are able to string together good results on top of good results on top of good results. They're able to bring that same intensity every single week, and that's the difference between the the Bo Pelini-era teams as opposed to the Mike Riley team. Teams and the Scott Frost teams. So Nebraska can't be happy with that one good performance against Oklahoma, and they can't be happy with going and getting a good performance against a good Michigan State team. You got to go in there, uh, and as Nebraska said last week, expecting to win. They went in expecting to win against Oklahoma. They got a, a good result. A good result is not good enough in the in the modern college football or in any college football. You need to go get wins. Uh, but it can give you confidence to be able to say, yeah, we're going to go in and beat Michigan State. Now the question is, can they go in and do it? Uh, it comes down to special teams. It comes down to the offense. It comes down to the defense. you got to have success in all three phases. Uh, I think we're expecting some, uh, some bad plays from the special teams because they're there every single game. But can the offense and the
3: defense do enough to pick up the special teams whenever they do make mistakes? Can, can, you may have a, a misstep. It may not be perfect in special teams. It clearly hasn't been. But, all right, can you, can you stalemate? Can you go make a play? in special teams say you give up a return and they end up getting points out of a drive on a kickoff or a punt fine but flipping it around can you make a play in the return game right or can you can you pin them inside the the 20 right I mean Nebraska it wasn't a special teams play but they turned the red zone interception at the four you know the sports center top 10 by Grisham Into all right, great field position, and eventually a score with time left on the clock to try and do something. So, you know, field position's been uh, fleeting for Nebraska in in a lot of the Frost era. They're trying to to flip that around, and uh, that'll be key. It's really kind of remarkable. And we'll ask Gary Barnett about this with knowing Mel Tucker like he did briefly at Colorado. just the success Michigan State's had, the buy-in, and your year twos usually are the suckiest if you're a new head coach. Coach Barnett's told us that for a long time. Well, so far, so good for Michigan State as they're off to a a three and O start. You know, and in Nebraska, they have been good in tackling. They've been good with kind of rallying to the football. Uh, Michigan State I, I wonder as, as experienced as their line is I wonder if Nebraska can can heat up a quarterback that you know what my game plan would be let's let's load the box let's let our corners do their thing let's make uh, let's make Thornton try and beat us uh, with, with it being on his shoulders versus manage and hand off right that's probably an obvious take but it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Put the game on, on Michigan State's quarterback's arm and see where he comes out. Uh, we've been on the road a ton this year with uh, Nebraska football coverage. Hail Varsity on the road, Illinois in Norman. And also uh, we're headed to uh, Gopher Land, helping power that road show. Ferris Financial Group. Ferris, their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards your investment goals. That means strategy. They specialize in it when it comes to planning and budgeting for you. Uh, Also, when it comes to investment advice, and if you're in transition, many of us are during COVID, whether you're starting a new job or going through a job change, they help you also look towards the future when it comes to retirement and planning that nest egg. They're there for you, Ferris Financial Group, Uh, and uh, your investment goals, contact Marcus Schmidt today at 402-525-6824. You can email marcus.schmidt at lpl.com, and you can reach him at ferrisfinancialgroup.com. Here at Seacrest Field, ahead of Southeast and East, the battle for Lincoln. And uh, we'll uh, be there at 7 for kickoff. Hour 1 almost winding down here on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio on the road here at Seacrest Field, ahead of East and Southeast at 7. We'll have that uh, locally on KFOR, FM 1033 and 1240, and that's the AM, KFORnow.com. So Nick Saban was not thrilled Heading into Florida week. A little testy. little tense. A little tight. And uh, now after Florida week, a two-point escape, despite jumping out 21-3. to three, And that'd be pretty good for Nebraska, wouldn't it, Elijah? Hey, get the lead. Get the lead. Play with the lead. Uh, in uh, East Lansing, see if that could be a reality. Well, Saban was asked about guys making move up the depth chart and how that's happened. Here's what St. Nick had to say.
6: What is- what has uh, Jaleel Abelnsley proven to you to see his role increased as the season's moved on? Well, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He practices
7: better. Uh, he's more engaged. He's more focused on what he's supposed to do. And, and he's having more positive performance on the field, uh, which is what any player is supposed to do. I th- I think that... Did, did any of you play sports? I mean, <laughs> the coach is supposed to play the best players, right? And then it's up to the players to do what they're supposed to do so they get to play because they become one of the best players. So that's what he's doing now. Um, but I don't know. Maybe if you didn't play, maybe that's not something that you quite get. Go to Aaron so Stone. to answer your question, he's doing what he's supposed to do.
3: Okay, Elijah, doing what you're supposed to do. Going to class, getting the concepts down. Making every uh, two-hour count uh, at Alabama, and, and showing what you've been recruited to do. Did he, any of y'all play sports? Uh, at least he someday he's gonna rip the podium off of its uh, its access and just throw it. Someday, maybe his last season in Tuscaloosa. Well, I wonder if that answer is more of a, a message to the team. Uh, well, it's he, always yeah. He yeah. I mean
0: he got this chance to be like, well, oh, why is this guy moving it up? And he could have answered that specifically. Oh, well, he's uh, he's doing this in practice. He's showing this. But instead, uh, he decided to make it about effort and make it about a guy um, that is you know kind of being a model for the other guys. I, I think he's kind of using this press conference as a chance to be like, yeah, if you guys want to move up the depth chart, use. Uh, I can't remember this player's name but use use him as an example follow what he's doing in practice treat every day like he treats it uh, because I'm not sure if Nick Saban's I mean, happy. I mean, for was this the third rant in three weeks? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say there's problems within that Alabama locker room, but when you look at all the talent they've had coming through there the past couple of years, I'm sure he's a little bit worried about what happens whenever it gets to college football playoff team, uh, college football playoff time. Uh, if they're not attacking every single day like his teams of the past couple of
3: years have, so th- this has got to be a message to the team. But I'm loving getting these weekly rants from Saban. You know what it is too. It it's about guys coming in thinking that just by wearing that that maroon and white that you're going to be in the playoff, right? Guys may have been on last year's national championship team that doesn't mean you were uh you you contributed or were a part of it, quite honestly. Uh so uh, you got to kind of pave your own road, make your own way, and you've heard coaches say that from the get-go that listen, this this Last year's got nothing to do with you or this year. Uh, reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Quick timeout. Hour two from Seacrest Field. Gary Barnett next. our City, Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back into it, Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're on the road here at Seacrest. Big-time high school matchup, Southeast and Lincoln East get kicked off at 7. We say hi to the coach, Gary Barnett with this Coach, you had a big one in the desert, man. A late one Saturday night against uh, Arizona State. How's your weekend? You're going to sneak some golf in, I assume.
7: Uh, Yeah, Chris, as a matter of fact, I am going to get a couple rounds of golf in Arizona. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it a little bit, a little different uh, scenery. Uh, maybe I'll play better, but uh yeah I'm, I'm going to get a couple rounds in
3: have you, uh have, have you have you been struggling or are you still just taking money
7: uh and I struggled yesterday but but I'm on my way back I, I can feel it I can feel it I've seen some videos this morning. I can feel it.
3: So that's that you know what ultimate confidence I love it. We're sneaking in some golf Saturday morning before Nebraska kicks against Michigan State. So we're excited that, to get a few more fall fall golf rounds in. Coach, what uh I know you had a, a busy weekend with Minnesota in town, but from what you saw or were able to gather with Nebraska Oklahoma, you know, what what did you see out of that ball game?
7: Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I was impressed with Nebraska. Uh, I think we picked them to cover anyway, but mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, 18 first downs. You know, they had one turnover, um, 384 yards total offense. They out they out threw out through Oklahoma. You know, threw the ball better. Uh, running game is is the thing that really fell off, and I think was the difference in the in the ball game. From what I could tell, you, you'd have to tell me for sure, but um that you know Oklahoma I mean excuse me Nebraska and and all the guys who got to watch who watched the game you know while it was being played were really impressed with uh, how hard Nebraska played in that game and I think we're unimpressed by Oklahoma
3: that's that's the the feeling i mean Oklahoma has uh, some NFL dudes on their front 7 defensively I thought it was amazing the way Adrian got out of trouble, honestly. I mean, he really extended some plays, was poised, and it was either it was good or bad, okay, with the offensive line. Either they gave him time to make some incredible throws, and you saw some skilled guys on display, right? I mean, some guys that, wow, Nebraska's not had for a while, or he's running for his life and it's second and nine because you didn't get much with the run game. That said, Coach, Nebraska was patient, right? We talked, remember talking before the Illinois game? You know, will Nebraska stick with the run game or will they abandon the run game? Well, they right. ej- ejected too soon. Nebraska didn't eject too soon with their run game. They had three tight ends, and they just they just stuck with it, man, and, and they wanted to hold on to the football as well. So I thought the play calling and the game plan were really good. Nebraska missed a lot of tackles, but there's always a second or a third wave. Coach, that was there to to limit it to at least a four or five yard gain, not a not a house call. So, I thought Nebraska did well there, well enough to win in a lot of phases, except special teams missing kicks. Of course, a block. I was thinking Greg be- Beekerd uh, saying cheer somewhere, Coach, with the uh, the blocked <laughs> I saw uh, ex- that. blocked
7: extra I point saw that return two pointer.
3: Oh, <laughs> it's just got to drive you nuts, though, with special teams continuing to be uh, very uncertain, Coach
7: well it's you know it's part of that package that's uh not very sexy but it's so important and it, it you know it usually if you don't have it it steps up and bites you mm. at some time maybe a couple times during the year and it becomes a difference and you know and winning seven or eight games and winning six games and so it's just one of those things that that uh you've got to be as detailed with that and you've got to recruit to it just like you do all your other positions and and uh, no one neglects it. Nobody thinks they neglect it. But some get luckier than others with who they <laughs> who they end up with. And so, that's that's just the rub of the of the game a little bit. But it's so so critical.
3: Gary Barnett's with us, our City Radio, Northwestern Colorado, of course, uh, part of the Buffs Network, as they are at Arizona State uh, this uh, weekend. So, coach, and, and I know that the moral victory part has been talked about, but from a confidence gainer, I think that's what you can chalk up Oklahoma to. You got to apply it to Saturday night and go get one of these close ball games if you're Nebraska. But in your experience, was there was there a win or was there even a close loss that that put you guys over the top in a good way? In your experience. Where okay, this this really got everybody to believe.
7: Well, I think every year there's a there's a turning point. Okay, uh, one way or the other, there's a game that that happens with that confidence comes out. You know, I I remember playing in 2001 when we were playing Nebraska when we played Nebraska at home, but the week before we were playing Iowa State and they had all those dudes. You know they had a quarterback that was running around doing everything. They had a tailback that rushed for two thousand yards. I mean they were really a good football team, and we went up there and played them uh, in a night game. And you know what? Uh, that game, just winning that game and and beating that team, to, just like we planned, and went down to the to the very every bit of game planning worked. And I think that game uh, made us what we were the next week against Nebraska and the week after that against Texas. So, um, you know, a loss, it's, you, you t- you're going to take something from every game and, and the, the only failure you can have from a loss is if you don't take something from it mm-hmm. and apply it to the next one and, and really wins are the same way. Uh, and you got, you know, the team that has had that pounded into them, the team that has bought into learning something, and gaining and growing from every opportunity that's the team that that turn that gets it going in the right direction instead of the wrong direction after one of those games it's hard to tell which one it is really is but there's always there's always that one you can look back to every year and uh, and say that that game right there we didn't get as much out of it as we should have um, or we you know what we learned in that game was so critical for the rest of our season
3: well, your player uh Joel Klatt does an amazing job with Fox and he was he always does his his post game kind of takes and uh he was on social media kind of going, you know, oh you you, you got to win. We'll see where they go, but he was really impressed by Nebraska. And talking to Joel at media days, he he was right with you as far as the the tipping point. You're going to have a tipping point moment, right? And turning point. Yep he uh he believed that you know what nebraska's so so close he had talked about that this summer but man when you look at all the losses by a field goal or a touchdown he's like nebraska's so close and he's like yeah i know nebraska fan you're sick of <laughs> you're sick of hearing you're so close but let's talk saturday um, nebraska with this michigan state opportunity they're ranked they're unbeaten they're a good football team man, how, how huge is it to go get a win? Or do you think another close competitive game is okay with, with this season? I mean, what, what what would that do to a locker room, the result?
7: Well, it's hard to say because it comes down to the leadership in that locker room okay. and how they'll handle it. It doesn't come down to Scott and his coaches. It, it helps. It's part of it. But mm. it really comes down to – who's running your locker room and how they handle either one of them whether it's a win or a loss it's going to be a tough game for Nebraska I mean and the running game is going to be so critical and Nebraska has found a little bit of the run game but not as much as they're going to need on Saturday and uh you're you know it's going to be a raucous crowd everybody uh you know that's that's always a good crowd and a good place to play and it's you know it's you're gonna, you're going to get the ball uh tried you're going to try to jam it right down your throat and you know you've given up a lot of a lot of yards on the ground and that's their forte mm-hmm. so this is going to be a you know the ground game is is how you hold up in that if you're if you're able to slow them a, a little bit and you're able to generate some run game with uh, with the two running backs you have got left then then, you, you know, you're going to be right in it. But if you fail to do that, then I think it's going to be a tough night.
3: I, I'm wondering, you know, how you contain Adrian if you're Michigan State. And, and and Grinch had this layered rush where, okay, there's one spy and then here's somebody else waiting for him. I thought that was brilliant and it was executed because, oh, you had the athletes to do it. What do you do if you're Michigan State? I mean, Adrian's been your most successful rusher when Nebraska's won or been <clears> in games He's been around that hundred yard mark do you do you spy him a second week in a row?
7: Well, I certainly think that's a possibility and the old spy thing mm-hmm. uh works if if the other team can't throw the ball very effectively, but if you can throw the ball very if if the other team can control the ball, you take a guy out of coverage by spying and i mean i think fans all think it's a good idea cuz you play a box and one in in basketball but <laughs> that's just five five guys it's not the same you know uh you're playing with just 10 guys uh when you when you spy it but i do think in a number of situations and if it's well scouted they can do that and um you know that that's what they're doing they're 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 scheming today to try to do something like that in the right situations when, especially in They've got all the tendencies on him and when he runs and where he likes to run and trust me, all that stuff. So there'll be times when you'll see it, uh, but you may not see it uh, every snap.
3: Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what what impresses you about Mel Tucker teams? We saw him in Boulder a couple years ago, and and they're ranked, they're unbeaten, but what what kind of wows you about what Mel's done at Michigan State so soon?
7: Well, I I think there was probably players there. Okay. And um, so that that doesn't surprise me that he walked into players. Usually your second year is the toughest and Mel's surviving his second year pretty well right now. He's sort of an exception to that. They always could run the football. I mean, our teams were able, when our team, when Mel was here the one year, could run the football fairly effectively. Being a former defensive coordinator as he is, I think that's one of the things that you realize if you're a defensive guy is if you can run the football, then a lot of good things can happen to you in the pass game. But if you can't, then not much good can happen to you. And I think that's, that's his basically basic philosophy around the run game,
3: Coach. A thought on Minnesota rolling into Boulder last weekend.
7: Well, uh, a couple things is uh, first of all, I think our offensive coaches underestimated their defense. Secondly, uh, you know they played seven offensive linemen against us about fifteen snaps. They played six offensive linemen against us at least 30 to 40 snaps maybe 50 snaps they they line up in the same formation they just pound you both those backs are good I mean they lost their best one and the guy behind them is practically as good and they just they just pound it and possess the football they had a 41 minutes and and then we were just uh, we were as bad as I've ever seen our football team play offensively as bad as I've seen any division one team play we lost our center before the game started. He got sick. Uh, started a freshman. The first snap transfer from Iowa goes over the quarterback's head. Our second play from scrimmage is second and 25. And, uh, we just don't have the kind of throw game right now that can get us out of trouble. So it, it, it went backwards from, from the very get go and we could never establish a run game. Minnesota is good. They do what they do. Um, they're, they don't beat themselves. And you better line up and be ready to get your nose bloodied because that's the kind of game you're going to get.
3: That is our next road trip, Coach, is to Minneapolis, the the middle of October. Kind of the trifecta of roadies, Illinois, uh, Norman, and Minneapolis. And they pretty much curb stomped Nebraska two years ago. But Fleck knows what they are. And I was surprised. I was surprised, not necessarily that Minnesota won, but I was like, wow, they won 30 to nothing? Man, Um, especially after how well you guys played against A&M.
7: Well, we literally <clears throat> should have punted on first down every time we got the ball back <laughs> and and let the defense play all the snaps. We would have still been in the game going into the fourth quarter without snapping the ball to a quarterback. So uh, that's what we should have done.
3: <clears throat> Coach, we'll do some uh, some rapid fire. We'll see if Nick Saban's a little happier this weekend as they escaped Florida. Uh, Southern Miss uh, comes into town, but, but Saban's... Uh, well, he's uh, he's pacing around right now, I guarantee you. I want to go to Chicago, though. Notre Dame, Wisconsin. What do you think of this year? Badgers minus six and a half.
7: Yeah, it started off at five and a half, and I was a little surprised. You know, I think it's a great idea for those two teams to play there. It's, you know, it's a really good venue. There's so many people in Chicago from both those states our schools, but especially Notre Dame. It's going to be like a home game, I think, for Notre Dame. But, um, you know, I picked, I picked, I took Notre Dame in the spread. I, I don't know how, you know, exactly. I just feel like Notre Dame has still got this thing going for them right now. And um, so, I, it, Wisconsin has not impressed me yet. So, I think uh, Notre Dame has a couple times. So, I, I think that's what I'm basing it on.
3: Arkansas hosting A&M. Uh, them Hogs got a little magic going.
7: Hey, what a great game. Uh, and another venue. Uh, you know a neutral site i love what sam Pittman's doing and a and you know they're, they're they are what they are they're really skilled they're good they pound you um but i tell you i like what arkansas is doing i like i like the team chemistry on that football team so i think ark arkansas
3: nebraska michigan state you taking the five in the big red or are you going with uh, mel and uh, sparty
7: I got to go with Mel and Sparty. I think that's going to be a tough environment for you. So,
3: Eddie, upset alert! Yeah, NC State hosting Clemson minus ten. Uh, I
7: don't know. Everybody likes NC State better than I do. I, I just uh, don't quite think they. Uh, the game I really like too is, is Kansas State and Oklahoma State.
3: That'll be good ball
7: game. And they Oklahoma State's a six-point favorite, and I think Kansas State
3: wins that game. Okay. Gary Barnett. Coach, we'll get caught up again. Enjoy uh, Arizona State. See you, okay?
7: We'll do it. Thanks, Chris. Good being with you.
3: And we're back. Fellas,
2: think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
5: Yes! That's awesome!
3: Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Here at Seacrest Field, ahead of East and Southeast. Should be a fantastic ball game. We kick off at seven over on KFOR. We welcome in our favorite uh, Husker and uh, Viking and Charger and uh, of course uh, Buffalo Bill, Jeremiah Searles, the man on the sidelines for Nebraska football. Searles, what do you know? You swinging the clubs today at all?
6: No, I didn't get to swing the clubs today. Today I got I'm getting the lawn mode here. I had to take a little break here to Come chat some football deer. Got to get aerated on the lawn before I head to East Lansing. All, you know, all this adulting stuff's for the birds.
3: Well, did you at least get, uh, get, a, get a big old, uh, what, what were you hunting for last weekend?
6: I was hunting elk last week. I did not. My dad shot a cow, which is a female elk, at about 40 yards, and uh, he's still taking me to school. He shot one last year and this year, and I'm still skunk. So, one of these days, I'll get one.
3: Well, keep, on, uh, keep up the good fight, and at least you can grill the elk for, for Papa Bear. That's pretty good. Cyril's. I'm proud of you. You got your green thumb going. You're working on the best yard in the neighborhood. That's impressive. What do you remember about playing at East Lansing?
6: You know, honestly, Schmidty, that was one of my favorite games of the year, or of my career, 2012 in East Lansing. I think we were down, shoot, close to 11 points or something like that. A few, five, six minutes left in the fourth. And we were able to come back and win that game. And I just remember it being a really cool stadium. They weren't very good that year, so there wasn't very many people there. But it was a pretty cool stadium. They have a cool big jumbotron. And I have a feeling it's going to be packed this weekend. But the turf was nice. They had good They had good grass. And uh, I just remember this, it was a hostile place. I mean, and Michigan State teams are physical, usually historically pretty good teams. So we always went in there. No one was going to be a fight. But I had some fun up there.
3: I bet you did, and I think that was a last-minute drive and win by, by Team magic Jamal and, Turner. Jamal Turner in the corner. <laughs> Jamal, Never forget. The, the old smash route, and Jamal got, got both yep. in, and uh, minimal time left. And I think, was that before or after the Northwestern game? Because you played those back-to-back, and they were both escape acts. Really well done by the yep. offense and defense to, to finish out.
6: Yeah, those were the two back-to-back. like come. That was the year of like comebacks all the time, though. I mean, my heart could barely take it at the end of that game. And I, I just remember we just had a lot of fight on that team and, and just some great memories. And, and looking back on it, there was a lot of talent on that Michigan State. I mean, I can remember Le'Veon Bell putting P.J. Smith about two feet into the turf during that game, too. That was uh, one of the hardest hits I ever seen in person.
3: Let's talk about fight with this team. You're around them, you cover them, you're on the sideline with them, and what do you anticipate from Norman to, to East Lansing? That's that's the the topic this week. Can they carry that almost air quote this close forward to a win? How's the morale?
6: You know, I think they're good. You know, I think a lot of that they have to focus on the goods, but. I think the big thing is if you're a player on this team and you look at it, you know they're not, you're not far away. And it's, it's easier to obviously correct things when you win, but when you lose a game, especially when you lose a game the way that they lost it, knowing that on that day, they were the better football team. I'm not saying we beat Oklahoma if we play them ten times, but I think that that day they were the better, that you really have to look at what is the difference between winning and losing. And it's four or five plays. Whenever you lose by a one-possession game, It's four or five plays throughout the entire game that really make the difference. And so when you look at the tape and you look critically at yourself, you have to think, was I part of the problem on one of those four or five plays or was I part of the solution? And then you have to say, okay, if I was part of the problem, i got to make sure I never do that again. Because we're really that close to turning the corner of a team. I really believe that, that we are very close to turning the corner and becoming a much better football team than we've been used to seeing for the last few years.
3: Jeremiah Searles with the sidelines for Nebraska football, longtime NFLer and uh, yard ninja with us here on Hale Varsity <laughs> Radio. Searles, what's your take on the O line? Uh, I know the tackles are we're going up against some high-level talent, just like you did when you were younger. The interior uh, has been exploited from time to time. I'm excluding Cam from that uh, part of the conversation but what have you been able to, to see if you want as you've watched film and you know uh, we talk about Nebraska being close you know what's what's Greg Austin telling his guys this week what are the guys working on this week to be better not only with the run game but also keeping Adrian from uh, from getting harassed he drops back and there's someone in his face half the time
6: yeah th- that's got to get fixed and you know Greg knows that you know that they know that as players too and I mean it starts with your tackles I think Bryce Benhart's a not surprisingly, but has taken a nice jump from his first year last year to this year. He's playing much more consistent football. I think we all kind of forget at times that Turner Corcoran is a redshirt freshman playing his first. Like he, he performed so well against Rutgers in that last game of the season last year that I think we had maybe a little high expectation, especially with him missing some of that time in camp. But I think that you overall, you look at this group, there's a lot of growth still to be had. There's a lot of guys. I mean, we're rotating. Hickson started, then Piper came in. Bandos played there at left guard. So there's a lot of still trying to figure out your best five. But we just need more consistent play from that offensive line. When they do things right, I mean, Adrian's had time. He's had a lot of time. But the key thing is consistency. Nothing in offensive line play can get done unless you do it snap after snap after snap. Because if you have one out of the five offensive linemen that messes something up three out of the five snaps, you're going to be a lot of three and outs. You're going to have a lot of negative runs, pressures, whatever it might be. We need all five guys playing consistently high level. It's gotten better at times as the game has gone on since Illinois, but at times it seems like it's regressed a little bit too. So I know Greg Austin's just preaching to his guys, keep playing hard, trust the technique, trust what I'm telling you because Greg's a great coach. I trust in everything that he does too and he'll get these things right. But you've got to remember, too, he's dealing with some young pups out there, and even some guys that played last year didn't play in front of full stadiums. It's a different feeling when there's 90,000 eyes and they're screaming and watching and yelling at you.
0: Jeremiah, in, in your estimation, was that game against Oklahoma on Saturday, was that a step back for this offensive line? It was obviously a bad day for him, but was it a step back, or was that just a very good Oklahoma front and seven that they had to go up against on Saturday?
6: know I think it was I think it's probably the most talented group outside of maybe Ohio State that we will see from top to bottom and I wouldn't necessarily call it a step back but I call it a a growing pain you know I call it something along the lines of when things are going well and, and the growth curve coach McDermott used to talk about it all the time up in Buffalo is the growth curve is not linear it's up and it's down and it's all over the place but as long as it's continuing to trend in the right direction week in and week out, we'll grow with that. And so this is a big bounce back week for them, right? They're not as talented on the Michigan state front, but there's some big heavy pushers on that Michigan state front. my neighbors are going crazy on their lawn. Golly, give me a second. <laughs> but I think that I think that these guys are on Michigan, State are big pushers. So I think that it's really, I'm excited to see how these guys learn from that Michigan, or that Oklahoma game and how they take some tools of things that beat them last week and see if they can right the ship a little bit.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Searles 71 underscore HSKR. As uh, we're here at Seacrest Field, the Southeast Knights doing their walkthrough right now out of the locker room. Searles, again, will get to edging and, uh, and the, the weed whacker <laughs> in, in a moment. Uh, we need a picture sent out uh, of how green your front yard is uh, before before sundown Sunday, Searles. In all seriousness, I need to know uh, with uh, this Nebraska football team three keys. What are Searles' three keys for Saturday?
6: Yeah. So my number one key is you can't let Kenneth Walker beat you. You can't. That's what Michigan State wants to do. They want to hand the ball to that workhorse back there forty times if they can, and they will if we let them. So we need to make the team one dimensional. Peyton Thorne is a good quarterback but I don't see him being the guy that's like, hey, we're going to ask you to throw the ball 40 times a game and win us this. We need it to turn into that kind of game. So first thing, don't let him beat you. Keep him under 100 yards, 150 yards if possible. My second thing, this has to be an offensive game plan that is built on getting first downs. I'm not saying we need to score 40 points. I want us to have 25 first downs in the game. I thought last week they did a nice job controlling the clock, but I think this week's be really important to sustain drives seven-play, eight-play, ten-play drives to keep that defense off the field, keep Kenneth Walker off the field, and really just continue to grow from there. And, but big thing is just control the clock, sustain drives. The last key for me is sacks and takeaways. Those are the one thing this defense really lacking in. I think this defense is getting better every single week, but we just don't have the sacks and the takeaways, which are big tide turners when you talk about football games and especially winning games in Big Ten play getting negative plays with a sack putting teams in third and behind the sticks and then the takeaways obviously when the takeaway battle you're going to win the game 90 percent of the time so i think those are three things i'm really looking for this week out of this husker team
3: do you have a prediction on on special teams as far as is it going to be better worse or the same Uh (laughs) uh-huh
6: i think yeah i think i think that's about right
3: you're not going near that.
6: <laughs> I, I I focus on offense and defense. I've never kicked a ball in my life, but man, our special teams are—they need to be special and do something to help our team. Man, like special teams is such a forgotten piece of the game until it's not, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the extra points a forgotten thing until all of a sudden they block it and take it for two, and now the entire momentum from that drive is flipped. The deflation on the sideline, and now the crowd's back in it, like. Special teams are momentum builders either way. You pin a team deep, your defense gets excited. You dice, get a, even a 20-yard return, the offense is juiced. The special team is the momentum gauge, and right now it's pointed in the wrong direction for the Nebraska Huskers. We need that to flip. I'm not saying it needs to be amazing, but it just can't be awful.
3: Who, who's going to carry the football? Who's, who's the workhorse Saturday for Nebraska?
6: You know, I think it's, I think it's Ramir Johnson. Okay. I think he came out against Oklahoma and played really well. I thought he did some nice things out of the backfield. And I don't know why you don't go with him. I think you do him with some lateral runs and some outside runs because the strength of this uh, Michigan State defense is in its front seven. So get on the perimeter a little bit, make some guys move around, but then hand it to Steph and Morrison inside as a bell cow and some punishing runs. But if I was from watching the tape, I think Ramirez gets the nod at uh, RB1 this week.
3: Jeremiah Searles, sideline man for Nebraska football and former NFLer. Searles, get that yard cleaned up. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud.
6: Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Go Big Red.
3: There he is, Jeremiah Searles, with us. Love talking to Searles. Reminder, we're on the road. Been to Norman, been to Champaign. We'll head to Minnesota. Helping power that road show is Arrow Brokerage, your full-service real estate brokerage owned and operated by local investors that uh, – well, they, they specialize in real estate investment, and uh, a small and mighty team there for you, with all faculties of buying, selling, staging, investing, and of course much more with Arrow Brokerage. Uh, be sure to contact uh, Jenny Limbach today or Realtor Marcus Schmidt today. You can do so through email brokerage at arrowlincoln.com. The website arrowlincoln.com backslash brokerage. Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is at ArrowLNK. Instagram at Arrow underscore Lincoln. We're winding down here. We'll get to Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, here at Seacrest with Hale Varsity.
2: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught. Preteen Swedish boy.
3: Back into it at Tailbar City Radio. We're on the road here at Seacrest Field, just ahead of East and Southeast. The pride of Chicago with this Danny Burke. Burke's best bets. Find him, Beeson Sports Network six to seven, with his show all over the country. Rush hour at Danny Burke five on Twitter. Pride of Chicago. Are you are you still weeping? Or are you just anti-field goal now? <laughs> I am, I am Mr.
1: Never kick another ball the rest of the season. I don't care if it's an extra point. I don't care if it's a field goal. Obviously, you have to do it for the kickoff. But aside from that, Nebraska should never utilize their special teams when it comes to trying to get one or three points. I think we've had quite
3: enough of that. All right. That is the lock of the the rest of the <laughs> decade. No more special teams, says Daddy Burke. Let's get into uh, Nebraska-Michigan State. Daddy, what do you like here? Do you like Sparty at home uh, with uh, laying the five and a half? you think Nebraska can be competitive again? I do. Uh, I think that five and a half numbers <laughs> a little high. It's two points higher than when it opened uh, last Sunday, about three and a half.
1: I you know, I don't want to say I ever have, like, a good read on these Nebraska games, per se, but I more so at least can conjure up enough confidence to make it better, at least say, it with enough conviction. And I honestly don't know if I can for this game, because you're right, like, the question is do you think this is almost a letdown for Nebraska because of how well they played in Norman or is this, Hey, we are this good. We can hang with anybody. Yeah. We put the Illinois loss in our rearview mirror, but if we've won that game, we're having a completely different conversation and this was a game that we are supposed to be in and, or, you know, win overall. So there's that side of the argument and then it's, well, you know, Michigan state is a very tough team right now. They're on a hot streak and, you and I had talked about the Spartans before and you don't know, same thing is what I've been saying. I mean, Mel Tucker last year had these guys playing competitively, and now look at what he's done thus far in an actual normal season. So I tend to want to take the points with Nebraska kinda like how you're alluding, Schmidty. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, if Michigan State does win and cover, it's not gonna surprise me because they've shown us that they can do that. But again, Nebraska talent wise should be able to keep this one close. And it typically is always a close game between the Spartans and not Nebraska, it seems like. So, you know, the gun to my head kind of cliche. I guess I would take the points with Nebraska, but I'm, I really don't have that high confidence one way or the other.
3: You know, Danny Burks with us. Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, uh, VEASAN Sports Network. The What kind of shocked me about last week was You know, the over-unders were at 64-and-a-half, and and we get a throwback uh, late 80s in Nebraska OU score, 23-16. What do you see for this? I see Michigan State doing their thing, and that's holding the football. I think Nebraska can put up some big plays given time with uh, the the Sparty pass defense, assuming there's, you know, not not a sack party uh, in the backfield with Adrian here. Where are you at with the over-unders on this?
1: I kind of lean a little bit toward the under here, Schmitty, because you're right. You know, the way Michigan State's going to run their offense is going to be on the ground, and that's how it's been. And we're seeing this total at about fifty-one and a half, and it is shaded a little bit to the under minus one thirteen. But I think you're right. I mean, Nebraska should be able to do enough offensively to keep it close. And like we just talked about, Michigan State's going to do the ground and pound, and the defense. Obviously, if they could limit Oklahoma. You would hope they could limit. Uh, Michigan State up in East Lansing. So I think I would gravitate toward the under in this game. And more so in terms of Nebraska's offense, you know, this offensive line still does scare you a little bit. And the inaccuracy from Adrian Martinez still does scare you a little bit. The running game got a little bit better in Norman against Oklahoma. So maybe Nebraska tries to rely on that a little bit more. So thus would be voting more so well for the under. So I think this could be more of a slower tempo Big Ten type of game.
3: Danny Burke's with us, Sprite of Chicago. Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network. Let's talk Notre Dame and uh, Wisconsin in your backyard. Are you uh, going to be on hand for this one, or are you going to be just in your studio uh, observing?
1: Actually, yeah, i got a buddy who's a uh, diehard fighting Irish fan, and uh, his family's got a tailgate going at Soldier Field, so I will attempt make my way there at about 7 or 8 in the morning. He works 10 Schmitty, but uh, I'll definitely be trying to make the party for this one. It should be a fun one.
3: It will be. Big one for Wisconsin. Michigan's just around the corner. Notre Dame has lived a bit of a charmed life. Do you like the six-and-a-half-year Wisconsin favorite?
1: It's kind of, I, I like how you put that. They've been living a charmed life, I, and I think that describes it perfectly. There's, I, it, it seems like it's 50-50 with who you talk to. Half of the people who are on Wisconsin are just absolutely infatuated with backing the Badgers. They have complete confidence with it and love it. Then you get the other side who goes, you know what, it's the Jack Cohn revenge game. Cohn has done well, Yep, they've played close games, but the spread has gotten out of hand. I understand both sides. Ultimately, I do think the spread has gotten a little bit out of hand, just a little bit schmitty. But I do think Wisconsin gets the job done. They're coming off a of bye week. And, you know, okay, Notre Dame may have a little bit more of the fans there, but that's not going to make that big of a difference. I think that Wisconsin will be able to limit the big plays uh, in terms of what Notre Dame can produce, and they're going to be able to ground a pound. They're going to pick apart this Notre Dame defense, and at the end of the day, that will prove to be the reason why Wisconsin wins this game. However, like I said, I- I'm not in love with laying it, but if I have to go away for Wisconsin, my best angle would be to wait for the endgame, game, see if Notre Dame keeps it close, takes a lead, and then get a better number with Wisconsin. That's probably the way I'll tackle it. Because I do think the Badgers get the win.
3: I, I think uh, they got to get the win, honestly. Yeah. And uh, it it should be, well, a lot of a lot of beers being had between Notre Dame and Wisconsin fans. Danny, couple minutes here. Danny Burke uh, Burke's best bets. A uh, couple of Big Ten games on your radar here, and then uh, what do you think in NFL? You got you got to pick for the weekend?
1: Yeah, so the other games in college, that Indiana-Western-Kentucky game, I'm taking the points with Western-Kentucky catching nine and a half. Big letdown spot for Indiana, who had the lead and the win in their sights, relatively at least, against Cincinnati. And western Kentucky's coming off a bye week, and they played really well against Army before their bye week. So I think this bodes well for Western-Kentucky, taking a nine and a half. And then the other spot, Michigan, you know, I was considering it, and then you heard the news with the cornerback, Rutgers, being taken out. Goes to 20 and a half. I think i laid 20 with Michigan. Think they can win by three touchdowns. And you mentioned football. Right now, I got a couple of plays. Took four points with the Bengals. And then also did a teaser tease down Buffalo against Washington and actually trusting the Falcons here and tease them up against the Giants for Sunday.
0: Danny, I, I I want to bring us back to college football here for just a second. I'm excited to jump in with my game. Texas A&M and Arkansas. Are, are you seeing anything in that game? I see Texas A&M as a, as a five-point favorite, but I don't think we really know if either of these teams are the real deal just yet.
1: It's funny you bring that up. This seems to be the most popular game that everybody wants to get involved with, at least at Visa, because it, it seems like everybody I've seen with their picks are taking Arkansas to the spot, and no, I don't blame a per se because Arkansas's been a tough team right now and the Aggies haven't done anything too impressive. But it's tough for me to handicap it because at the same time it's so early and if you look at everybody's preseason thoughts to the Aggies, you know, there's just a quarterback away from being a really great team and that's a huge thing, don't get me wrong, but the rest of the team is pretty complete. So this could be a low spot for the Aggies. So I think the fact that the line's moving down in favor of Arkansas at this point, I would buy low on Texas a and But I'm not in love with it by any stretch of the imagination. But more people seem to be taking the points with Arkansas.
3: Danny Burke with us. Sprite of Chicago. Burke's best bets. Visa Sports Network at Jim 6-7. Uh, across the country on uh, Visa and Sports Network, of course, iHeart Media, and uh, you can uh, watch his show as well at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. Danny, uh, thanks for the heads up. We will take everything under advisement, my friend. Keep on doing your thing, brother. And uh, are you wearing the Irish green or the Wisconsin red on
1: Saturday? <laughs> it depends where the money's going, right? If you asked me when I was growing <laughs> up, it was Notre Dame. But uh, because I'm looking for that in-game spot and I'm sweating out a Wisconsin win total over nine and a half, I think i got to wear a little bit more red.
3: Daddy, have a good show, buddy. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it, guys. Take care.
2: Miss us.
0: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing.
2: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
3: One final time here at Seacrest for Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow Thursday, Southeast, uh, back in their locker room, East. Some of their staff making their way to the uh, far sideline here. Don't forget uh, over on KFOR uh, locally here in Lincoln. Seven o'clock. We will kick off East and Southeast. Eight verse number nine. Both teams three and one. Should be an awesome football game. And Coach Jeff Smith doing color with me tonight. Uh, former night Elijah Herbel will be uh, running that over on KFOR. We. Need a little bit of a soak, and I wish I could just jump in. I I did a little too much at the gym yesterday. Deb, can you get me a spa that can kind of ease that burn going on in my upper air quote chest? How are you?
5: Yes, I can. We've got everything, anything imaginable, and we've we've got it for you to deliver, and oh my gosh, my guys are just delivering like crazy. This is wonderful weather, and then the evenings have gotten nice and cool, so they are wanting to get those spas in your backyard, and uh, come in and see us. We've got anything from the little two-person triangle tub up to the big swim spas, and everything in between.
3: Deb Despauletti with us, Home Innovation Spas, 20th in Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. And, Deb, you know how to move that temperature just right, be it a cool, crisp fall evening or, hey, a, a hot, humid uh, Nebraska <laughs> yeah. September, right?
5: That's for sure, yeah. We've had it all. So we are officially in fall now, so it's time for hot tub weather and, uh, you know, you can't find a better place to find a hot tub than at Home Innovation.
3: Did you have to take a soak after your Chiefs?
5: Yes, I did. Oh, I woke up the next morning and it was still true. I thought, <laughs> oh, I must have. I had to have dreamt that. It was a horrible nightmare, but well, it was Well, you are able true. to at least
3: relax and <laughs> take right. a few deep breaths in your spa and your hot tub. And the swim spa <laughs> is an option if you want to exercise or just I don't know, throw throw a neighborhood party. The two-seater's great, and then you've got something in between. Deb, folks can come see uh, you about any time, but specifically uh, give folks the hours and uh, just when they can come by and check out Deb, the spa lady.
5: They can come by 10 to 6 Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday. Go to our website, spasonline.com, anytime, 24-7.
3: Well, and uh, incredible pricing, and uh, been doing it longer and better than anybody in the world. I'm going to say that, 30-plus years of expertise, service after the sale, and, of course, knowledge on the product, and it's going to make that uh, that backyard or that basement uh, pop a little more with uh, family fun and relaxation. Deb, we will talk next week. Thank you so okay. much.
5: Okay. You need to co- tell Coach Smith they're going to broadcast live from his hot tub. Ooh. You,
3: I, you bring I, that I, up.
5: You I will that bring when that you talk up to him this evening.
3: Coach Smith, I need uh hey coach, can I come over and, and hang out yeah. with you in your hot tub and he may dunk yeah, me but <laughs> he may dunk me. But you know what it'd be worth might, it'd be worth it.
5: But give it a try.
3: I will okay, I'll say Deb told me to say, Hey, what about your hot yeah, you, tub, Coach? We'll hit that in the pre game, I promise.
5: Him. You tell him. I can't wait.
3: All right, Deb, you take I'll care. Thanks again. Uh, All right, dead the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2. We're done with Hale Varsity today, back tomorrow at 4. Here at Seacrest, Southeast, East, KFOR at 7. Talk to you then.